0: This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now here's Mary Stirk.
1: Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today's topic is retire like the rich do. I think we all would like to do that. So with me today, I have certified financial planner Kelsey Banke, and Kelsey. What would be the first thing that you would say that the rich do that we can all aspire to do when we retire?
2: Well, definitely need to live within our means. Yes. <laughs> if you spend more
1: than what's coming in.
2: It's just not going to work out in the long run. Yeah,
1: that's exactly right. So here's one of the best things that we can tell you that people with wealth actually do that you might be procrastinating about yourself. And that's they're figuring out how much they can spend based on the incomes that they have and the asset levels that they have. They're working with financial advisors to do projections to say, hey, here's your limits. You can spend up to this. Now, rich people may be spending way more than you are or way less than you are. That's hard to say. That's personal to everybody. But at the end of the day, wealthy people do planning to make sure that their wealth lasts. And I think that's a huge thing that most people don't do that would really help them out.
2: Absolutely. Yep. So uh, again, if you're spending more than what you're bringing in or what's uh, more than what's sustainable, it's just a formula for a uh, A disaster long term. So, do the work, understand where it is, and then stay within that. And that doesn't always mean budgeting. Right, just means staying within. The limit of what you can spend.
1: We call budgeting in our office the B word <laughs> because most people really don't like to do it. And and I'm with you there. There's there's kind of an easy way to do things and there's a hard way to do things when it comes to budgeting. And depending on who you are and how much you like to geek out over spreadsheets, which, you know, we kind of like to do. But if that's not your game, then there's an easier way to figure out some of that stuff. And um, But the bottom line is we do have to figure out some of that stuff to put together good planning. Now, there is a rule of thumb to help you live within your means, and that's to be able to understand how much you can take out of your pool of assets and probably not have it run out. Now, I say probably because it's certainly no guarantee, but there is just kind of a rule of thumb that says as long as you don't pull out more than four percent of what your pool of retirement assets is, you probably won't want out during your lifetime. If you have a bunch of negative markets in a row, bunch of years where we have bad markets and we see losses, 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 then of course that's not gonna work. But if we have typical normal market cycles, that's why it's considered a rule of thumb. So think about that. If you have a million dollars saved, that means you can probably pull about $40,000 out a year to live on. That might not be what you think if you think, I have a million dollars saved. I've got all this money I can easily spend during retirement. So if you want to create for yourself a retirement income stream from just your retirement assets, that's let's say it is $120,000 a year. You need $3 million worth of retirement assets to comfortably be able to pull that off. And these are the things that wealthy people understand, that you can't intend to blow through or spend all of your wealth too fast, or you are very likely to run out of money. And that's what we want to avoid. Another thing that uh, people who do, and if you want to retire like the rich, this is something that you would want to consider doing, is to assemble a team of advisors. So Kelsey, describe for our listeners what a strong team of advisors might include. Who would that be?
2: So usually involved in this team is going to be a financial advisor, financial planner, um, a CPA or tax accountant, um, and a good attorney that helps with variety of things but specifically including estate planning um depending on what else you got going on you know um there might be another advisor or two that needs to go into that mix like a good insurance agent yeah like a good insurance agent always included in that but um you know that's the core and then however many other people beyond that you need is is based on every personal situation um there is it's a really important though that you have um cohesive and, and, you know, cohesive plans between those, those teams of people, um, and some collaboration. Um, and, and we've said this before and we'll say it again, that your certified financial planner, um, like Mary and I are is a good person to be the quarterback for right. the team. Mm-hmm. We've had training in all of those different areas to understand and, you know, kind of talk the talk and make sure that everything is working together. If you don't have that person, then you might have good things going on in each of those um, with each of those different professionals, but they might not be coordinating, and they could in fact be working against each other in some cases, not knowing it, just you know, accidentally, because right, um, what the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing in that situation.
1: So here's the thing that's kind of interesting about that is your CPA is probably someone who is specializing in taxes. Your attorney is someone who's probably specializing in estate planning law, things like that. But your CPA and your attorney are not normally talking to each other right? And your insurance agent might be somebody who's specializing in making sure you have the right coverages for your properties, your vehicles, things like that. But again, they're not talking to any of your other trusted advisor. Your financial advisor, your financial planner, the reason that we act as a quarterback is because we are the ones that know the information that is pertinent to all of those different areas. And we're trained to be able to spot the gaps, right? So if we can see that something that you're doing with your CPA and your tax strategy is actually creating an issue in your estate planning, we're going to be able to see that because we are looking at all things from a global view. And then the right hand can talk to the left hand about that. You know, conversely, let's say that you have something in your investments that is going to be contradictory to your estate planning then we can see that too. And matter of fact, let me give you a, a great example of that. I was just working with a client who has several million dollars in IRA money, and their attorney has done their will for them. And in their will, it says, I want my wife to get everything. And if my wife doesn't outlive me, I want it to split between my two children. And then if uh, something happens to those two children, then the grandkids get it. Okay, so it was a basic estate planning like that. Well, what the attorney had not then gone and told them is, listen, if you have IRA money, then your beneficiaries can be done in such a way so that you can avoid some issues of just having it pass through your will. So all of their IRA money, millions of dollars of IRA money, just had the beneficiary designation that said per my will. So what happens in that situation then is that the IRAs have to get cashed out. So 100% of that money is now taxable. And it's going to be at the highest tax rate because it's millions of dollars. And it has to pass through probate. And the cost of money passing through probate can often be anywhere between two to four percent of the value of that money that's passing through there. So now you have thousands of dollars of cost of probate, and hundreds of thousands of dollars of cost and taxes, which all could be avoided by simply having a correct beneficiary designation on there. If you simply would say, my wife is the beneficiary, well, under current law, the wife can take over an IRA as a beneficiary without paying any taxes on that. She can just take them on as her own. Right? So you completely avoid probate and and income tax, current income tax that way. It lets her have the flexibility to pay the tax in the future when she's taking money out and to use that money. Secondarily, current law also says that if you have a contingent beneficiary, they might be able to do what's called a stretch IRA. And a stretch IRA means that that child would be able to take the IRA over as their own. And instead of paying taxes on 100% of it and booting up into the highest tax bracket, they are able to just take out a required minimum distribution, which might keep them in a much lower tax bracket. And again, the whole thing avoids probate. So this is a classic case of where the estate planning attorney wasn't doing anything wrong, by how they set up the will, there just wasn't communication and collaboration between the estate planning attorney and the investment advisors that they had to say this is really how the beneficiary designations should correlate with what you're doing in your estate planning. And that's why a financial advisor should be the quarterback, or that's why we're the quarterback on the team is because we're looking at things like that with a global view. So in that situation, that person would have lost Well over three quarters of a million of dollars to taxes that was unnecessary at the time. And by having beneficiary designations on them, that taxation is now deferred. So when we talk about retire like the rich do, if you want to keep your wealth, (laughs) those are the kind of things we have to pay attention to. Okay, Kelsey, what's the next thing that we want to have people pay attention to? Well,
2: it's important to pay yourself first now. And pay yourself first later.
1: Yes, exactly. So pay yourself first now means that wealthy people are saving money, right? They're taking the income they have. They're dovetailing some of that into savings. They're maximizing retirement plans. They're maximizing um, investment vehicles so that when they retire, they can take that money out and pay themselves later then. (laughs) So they're paying themselves first now so they can pay themselves first when they retire,
2: This is, um, I think this coordinates really well with living within your means. You know, some people have a mindset that I'm, I'm going to pay everything I need to pay for the month and whatever's left over I'll put into my savings. And you know, time and time again, life happens and it gets in the way. Mm -hmm. Um, and there might not be money at the end of the month because you know, this different thing came up and that different thing came up and I hear it all the time and I I get it and I sympathize. Absolutely. Um, if you automate though, to pay yourself, um, first, so like as soon as you get paid, that money goes into your 401k. If you want to save beyond your 401k or other, um, retirement plans through work, automate your savings into your savings account. Mm -hmm. So saving for your vehicles and trips and retirement and long, long long-term investments, things like that. Just have something automatically happen right when you get paid. And that's, that's the pay yourself first concept. And then you're free to spend the rest of your money um, as, as, uh, however you would like to do. Um, But at least you've done that, you know, work for yourself for the future um, right off the get-go. Yeah, a lot of people
1: will say, Well, I just don't have enough money to save for my retirement, or I'm already saving some but I can't really max out my plans. And the reality is it's little bits here and there that can make a huge difference later on. We've talked in prior shows about, or other shows, I should say, about how there are apps on your phone that you can use to help you automate your savings. There's apps where you can say, every time I spend at this store, put an equal amount of money into my savings. Or there's apps that round up that say whatever amount I spend, round up to the next $2 mark and throw that into a savings account. You could make it a $3 mark or a $5 mark. I mean, you think about how often you pull out your debit card in a day or how often you pull out credit cards in a day and different things like that. And if you could just automate little bits of savings into an investment account or into a savings account on a regular basis, you'd be surprised how fast
2: that adds up. Absolutely. And then increasing those amounts. Um, Mm -hmm. so if you, you know, let's say you put twenty-five dollars into uh an account each paycheck, next year put in twenty-six dollars or twenty-seven dollars. Like it doesn't (laughs) sound like it'd be a big difference, but it really does add up to add that dollar or two dollars um, you know, every year, every every birthday, pay yourself a little bit um more. It's it's kind of fun, the things that you can come up with. And if you make any rule and you make it a process and a pattern then it's something that you're more easily going to commit to.
1: Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Sterk. and today we're talking about how to retire like the rich do. So tips to keep more of your wealth, tips to build your wealth, things like that. All right, one of the things that uh, wealthy people tend to do that is a good learning thing for all of us is they upgrade what matters. So they're not splurging on what doesn't matter. So let's talk about what some of those things might be. That might mean that they're not spending $150,000 on a wedding. They're spending $20,000 on a wedding, right? So where can you upgrade things and where do you not need to upgrade things? Maybe it's buying a mid-range car instead of a high-end luxury vehicle. Maybe it's the size of your house. You're buying something that the house, you are not buying a house that's stretching your budget. But if you want to retire like the rich do, what you have to understand is that keeping more of your money instead of spending more of your money on disposable things is how you build and accumulate wealth. So the things that matter to you are going to be very personal. But in terms of what you upgrade your spending on, the the less you do it, the better off you are. But you also want to be balancing what you spend today to enjoy life versus what you're saving for tomorrow to enjoy life later.
2: Absolutely. I, this, I love this. Um, I think a lot of people spend excess money places just because they think they are supposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in commonly, like my, my best example is appliances. Just because appliances have all the fancy gadgets, like my husband and I went to buy a new um, refrigerator and he was immediately drawn to the one with the giant touch screen on it. <laughs> <laughs> and him and my son were playing on it and I'm just going, we do not need a touch screen on our refrigerator. We, what we need is we need a fridge that can keep things cold, that has yeah. enough room for these kind of things, you know, and I, and we, we tend to go appliance shopping with our list of must haves. These are the things that must have must do and anything beyond that. Fine. If it comes with this package, that's great, but we're not going to pay more for things that we didn't really want before we got to the store. So, um, you know, you can, you can apply that same knowledge to to anything, you know, car purchases, we just recently bought new cell phones. I didn't need the big fancy version. I had very specific. I did. I was looking for. <laughs> well, and my husband did because of what he does that made sense. But for me, I said that's not what I need and I don't there want to pay go. extra for it. Yeah. So. It's very personal to every person. Exactly. So here's the Even kind of, Within spouses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So
1: here's something kind of interesting. According to Dave Ramsey, despite being the most affluent generation the world has ever seen, of Americans have saved less than $25,000 for retirement, and the main reason is because they're sacrificing their retirement dollars to support lavish lifestyles with the big houses, the cars, the boats, the flat screens, and things like that. So... It kind of goes back to paying yourself first so you can pay yourself later, like we talked about earlier in the show of making sure that you're actually saving money, not just spending it on your lifestyle needs today. It's the balance between spending today and saving for tomorrow. Now, one of the things that I want to mention, though, is that when we think about wealthy people, the first thing that most people think about is luxurious travel. And I would like to say that no matter who you are, travel is usually always obtainable. There's lots of ways to travel. Kelsey actually happens to be kind of an expert on this one. She is the deal shopper extraordinaire when it comes to traveling.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think in another life I must have been a travel agent because I I it's it's almost a game to see how reasonably I can attain a trip. Now that doesn't mean that I'm I'm not taking um you know, the, the trips that cost a little more money when that's exactly what we want to do. But I actually have fun planning vacations in mid sized cities that don't come with all the additional expense and, you know, kind of bucking the system when it comes to what people normally do for travel. And it's, it's, It's really fun. So, um, you know, every hundred dollars you save per night on a hotel room is another hundred dollars you can spend doing something else on the trip, and um, all of that adds up over time. But I absolutely love thrifty traveling.
1: (laughs) Now, I'm on the other end of that spectrum. When I travel, I actually want to travel in comfort. So. What I hate about traveling is feeling trapped in a small airplane seat. I, I that makes the that can ruin a trip for me. So for me, if I travel, i'm I'm looking ahead and booking things, never doing it last minute, but I'm looking ahead and booking things, and I prefer to travel with a first class airfare. Now, You would think that that is going to add thousands of dollars to an airfare, but it doesn't. I literally just booked a trip for early in the year, and the cost of the upgrade from coach to first class was about $250 round trip. So it wasn't very much, but it was just that I did it far enough ahead of time that I was able to lock in a good deal on that. I would rather spend the $250 more on a first-class airfare to make the experience of the flight much more comfortable and much more enjoyable, and then not spend as much money on the trip. So everybody's a little bit different about where they want to spend the money. For me, the comfort side of it is more important than maybe doing something a little bit extra while I'm there. (laughs) But when you're thinking about travel, and travel is obtainable for everybody, then there are all kinds of ways to save money, but you have to pick your battles on where you want to spend the money also.
2: Absolutely, because there's, you know, a lot of different ways that you can enjoy vacation and and travel. And there's, you know, I just just always say pick the things that are most important to you and splurge there and on everything else do something that's reasonably priced. There you go. There
1: you go. Okay, the last tip that we have for people who want to retire like the rich do is this. Mind your money. And that means that pay attention to your money, pay attention to your investments, be looking at things where you're evaluating the quality of things and you're checking performance on a regular basis. If that's not something that's your bottle of wax, then partner up and work with an advisor who is going to do that. You know, for our clients, in many of the accounts, what we're looking at is every single quarter, we're looking at every single holding and we're looking at peer group analysis to determine whether or not that investment is something that's above average or not. If it is, awesome. You know, that's great. But if it's not above average, wouldn't you want to know that? Wouldn't you want that monitoring or that checking to be in place? And if that's not in place, you run the risk of continuing to hold on to investments that eventually can become a dog. You know, and if there's lots of other choices of investments, why would you hold on to a dog for a long time? Mostly it's because you just don't know. But what wealthy people do is they do partner with financial advisors who are monitoring the money, who are minding the money for them. And that is super important. Okay, so with that in mind, then we have a free ebook that we're going to be giving away. So I wrote a book a while back called Ready to Pull the Retirement Trigger, and if you are ready to think about retirement, this book is full of good information for you. Everything from health-related things to emotional readiness side of retirement to the financial side of retirement. And if you'd like a free copy of Ready to Pull the Retirement Trigger, then just reach out to us through our website at sterkfinancialservices.com and request a copy. And we'd be happy to email you a copy of the free ebook. So until then, we hope that this has been valuable listening for you and that uh, some of these tips help you retire like the rich do. Thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk.
0: The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can ensure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC. Insurance offered through STERC Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated, Neither Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated nor its representatives provide tax or legal advice. You should consult a qualified attorney or tax professional to answer your specific questions. Stirk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dune, South Dakota, 57049. And can be reached at 605-217-3555.